0: Hello, Bible Love listeners. We are so glad to be with you this week. Um, We thought we would pray this prayer that many of you probably know. It's called a prayer of union with Jesus. So the Lord be with you.
1: And also with
0: you. Christ within me. Christ above me. Christ below me. Christ before me. Christ behind me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ all about me, to guide and direct me, that each meeting will be, each work undertaken, by, with, and in him, performed to his glory. Amen. Amen. Before we get started on these last couple of chapters of Leviticus, can we just talk for a minute about last week? It sure. Was amazing. that First of all, I feel like you have introduced me to someone that is going to be a great friend in my life. We've been communicating this week, Greg, amazing, amazing person. And I've had all these comments about it this week. I've had all these friends purchase Greg's book. Um, I mean, and every one of these are important and exciting and good. And we, I mean, David was awesome. I mean, Worth, everybody, I,
1: I can. Yeah. Worth was questionable.
0: Worth was questionable. I could go on and on. And I'm, I'm excited about the people we have in the future. I'm really working hard to get my dad to join us. You know, all that. But it was really good last week. The way Greg showed up
1: and just
0: kind of loved us through that really difficult passage. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, you mentioned uh, several folks reached out and told you they bought his book. So I hope Greg's getting a nice royalty check I from that. that,
0: that awesome.
1: Church publishing is happy. Um, but I even, you know, we've talked about this before. I grew up evangelical in a pretty conservative tradition. I've had folks from, from that background reach out to me and, and tell me that they appreciate it. That you know, we still may not see eye to eye on things, but at least they see that. Like what I loved was that Greg wrestled with scripture. right? Like so often, I think the the critique of of that is that they just throw scripture out and like they don't care. Greg was pretty clear. Like we have to we have to wrestle with it, but we wrestle it with, with it through the lens. Right? He talked about that lens that that splits those two hammer sections. But the lens is about God's love. Yeah. So how do we see it through that? And it helps us understand the other stuff and understand it in context. And so yeah, I've had some great conversations with folks about that, and it's given me um, some um, some more understanding, some more ammunition's the wrong word because but I'm a Texan so I'll say giving me more ammo for when I do have these conversations yeah. to to more thoughtfully engage.
0: Good. Yeah, I just wanted to like, talk about that for a minute because it felt so good and so right. And um, so we have two chapters left in Leviticus. Yeah,
1: we're, uh thank God, we're almost through Leviticus. <laughs> it feels like we've been.
0: We've been through a lot in Leviticus.
1: Yeah, and we there's have- no, like, secretions or anything weird in these last two chapters.
0: Thank God there's no bodily.
1: Yeah, um, there- <laughs> there's some threats like God's pretty angry at times here. And we're used to that at this point. We'll talk about that, but this, yeah, 26 and 27 kind of wraps it up because it's, this kind of concludes the holiness code, which is what we talked about last week with Greg. If you haven't, you owe it to yourself. If you listen to no other episodes, listen to last week's. Um, It was amazing. But this is like, so God's laid out. Here's the code. Um, God through Moses has laid out. Here's what I want you to do as the people of God. 26 then gets into um, kind of the inducements of obedience. Like, if you obey the holiness code, here are the things that will happen. Right. And if you disobey, here are the things that will happen. And we've seen this in Exodus and we've seen it in Leviticus that there, there are the promises of our relationship, of our covenant. We've used that word before our covenant with God. There are promises that will happen that are good. And if we break our end of that covenant, God holds up some, some consequences of that.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a little bit like life too. I mean, you know, before we got on the call, uh, Alan and I were talking a lot about grace, um, and what that means and how we are graceful to each other and to other people. Um, and I don't think that's missing from what God is saying, but I also think that he's God is really trying to lay this out completely. We also talked about this too. Um, it might seem a little bit repetitive, from like we keep hearing, "Here's the laws, here's the laws, here's the laws, here's the laws," but it seems like God really needed those laws to be understood and why they should be understood, right? Because if you do these things, your life in Me, in God, will be better. I mean, in the very first chapter, in the very first couple of lines of 26 um, verse two says, you shall keep my Sabbath Sabbath and reference my sanctuary. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Again, that repetitiveness of, let me just remind you, I'm the one that's going to walk through your life with you. I'm the one that's going to hold your hand. And for me personally, right now, that's something I've needed to be reminded of a lot that the Lord is with me, you know, even in the dark days, even in the sunny days and everything
1: in between. So so. I see this, you know, we read and we got these two chapters here and we can pick out some pieces. But to me, what sticks out is, um, you know, in 26, God says, if you follow my statute, keep my commandments and observe them, I will give you your rains in their season, your threshing shall overtake the vintage. So there's this idea of abundance, right? Like if we, and this is where it gets tricky for us, um, Western Christians who have an understanding of our relationship with God um post reformation understanding of God this isn't we don't understand it as we do our part and God does his God's part right like it's not a quid pro quo where if you read this it sometimes sounds like that god's saying if you keep my commandments i will give you a good harvest right like that's the plain text of this and and we have a different understanding because of the work of jesus because of the work of the holy spirit in our lives but there is that bit that, that God wants us in union, and it's when we're in union that we can flourish. When we're in disunion, things fall apart, right? The the created order is out of whack. And so it's not necessarily God subjecting and saying, I'm, you know, because the union is broken, I'm going to then actively do this. But just when the union is broken, things don't work as intended,
0: don't you do you feel i i feel that in my own life like when i'm not in union with the lord when i'm not going to the lord first and maybe going to those vices or people other people or whatever i feel like my even my own sense of control and understanding is a little bit off right and so when i'm in union with god when i take that first step with god even if the everything's not perfect i do feel that peace that passes all understanding. And it's the moments when I forget to do that, that the peace sort of feels a little wacky or a little off, you know? And so I think that, again, this is a real kindness of God. It can take on a feeling of worry or anxiety, but I think God's trying to say like exactly like you did, be in union with me, be in relationship with me, be in love with me the way that I'm in love with you.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, the heart of it here in 26 for me is it says, you know, if you keep my commandments, if you obey all these things, I'll do I'll give you a good harvest. I'll give you rain. I'll remove dangerous animals from the land. I'll do all these things. Then it comes to 11. And that's the heart it says, I, God, will place my dwelling in your midst. I will walk among you. I'll be your God and you shall be my people. This has me thinking, you know, I'm going to jump all the way to the New Testament but I'm preaching somewhere this Sunday that uses the the BCP lectionary. And so every so often it's different than the RCL. And this is one of those Sundays. And so I'm preaching on, I think it's John um, 20. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly, but it's um, no, it's John 18. I think it's the disciples in the upper room, you know, this is after Mary is gone and experienced, you know, being told that he's no longer here and she runs off. And then we have that night and the disciples, they're scared. Their union is broken because their savior has died. Right. Their union is broken because their friends, their teacher has died and he's buried and they're scared. And so the world seems broken and everything seems like it's falling apart. And what does Jesus do? He walks in the midst of them. He doesn't hover around the outside. Mm-hmm. So First off, he gets through a locked door. Right. Somehow he like walks through a wall and he doesn't hover around the outside, but he goes and the scripture says he stands in their midst and he gives them peace. I said, it's my peace I give you. And so exactly what you said, right? When we strive to be in union in relationship with God, when we strive to be in union in relationship with Jesus, we have that peace. It doesn't, that doesn't mean everything gets easy. It right. doesn't right. mean the heartache goes away. That doesn't mean the crap doesn't happen. Um, but it means we have the peace knowing that God through Christ, through the Holy spirit is with us in the heartache, in the pain, in the crap. Um,
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that you, I think our versions are the same, but, um, there's something so beautiful about, and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. I mean, often when I'm, you and I have the blessing of um, getting to be with people in some of their darkest pains. And one thing that I always think to myself is I want to walk this walk with you. I want to hold your hand through this. I want you to feel supported. And I get that right from Leviticus, right? I get that right from God saying, um, I want to walk the walk with you. I want to be here. Um, there's a member of my parish who, um, is going through some, um, medical stuff right now. And last night I saw him and I just held his hand for a long time. Um, Not to be God, but to just be a presence of love in his life. Um, And and that's what God gives us in this chapter of
1: Leviticus. So
0: thank you, God, for that.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, this walking thing, not to, to stay on this too long, but it echoes back to the Garden of Eden. And what does God do with Adam and Eve, but walk in the garden with them? And yeah. so there's also this idea of the recreation of the broken order all the way back at the beginning. You know, oh, It's coming three right years back. ago, whenever we started Genesis, you know, in the 2010s or whatever, um, there's even that reunion happening.
0: Yeah. Great point. Now, we get into some penalties if these things are broken. Yeah. And um, some of them are hard. Plagues. Um, punishments, um, all that. But there is, in the end, um, I'm looking more towards like 40, verse 40, um, but if they confess their inequity, um, you know, God is giving some some areas for forgiveness and love and and grace. Um, Maybe he's not, I don't know. There's a lot here. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. What's going to happen if you mess up? I don't even know what to do with that. Do you, Alan?
1: No, it. You know, like it, some of the stuff seems pretty wild. Um, he just just wild animals, all of that. But then it comes to the the confession part in 40, and this. You know, if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their ancestors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, this this comes into play in the New Testament when people come to Jesus and say, why is this man born blind? Who's sinned? he or his parents? Right. And so there's this understanding, and it maybe goes back to this, right? This, you confess your iniquity and you confess your ancestors' iniquity. Mm-hmm. And so then it got a little twisted to where obviously this bad thing has happened because your parents screwed up or your grandparents screwed up. And right, like my kids are going to be screwed up because I'm screwing them up. So there is like, we do bear the the brunt of our parents' um, foibles, but at the same time, right. I think the work we do around reparations and the work we do around race and reconciliation, right? Like I don't bear the guilt of my ancestors, but I need to be honest and confess the truth of what our ants are. And in America, our ancestors, we have to confess that, right? Because we can't just let it sit. And so if we know that folks in our past have screwed up and they have, because we're all people. We have to be honest about that. Not because we bear the guilt of it, but because we carry on the responsibility of telling the truth about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, um, there is a truth that's also not, to, that's not told always. And you know, God it refers, in, well, in this, Passage. It refers back to Jacob and Abraham and Isaac um, and those ancestors that are in the back, all that are behind um, where we are in Leviticus. All of that um, seems important. Right. And I I think we'll continue to hear this on and on and on. I mean, I'm writing, just wrote a sermon about Pentecost um, because that's the Sunday. And in mine, I reference David. Jacob, you know, because all of those things were part of the story to create the church, right? They were all part of the history and the lineage of it. Um, And I think you're so smart about the racial reconciliation stuff. I think that's really important. Um, Not that we can apologize that it happened, but that we can acknowledge that it happened and honor it and, and not deny it. So then we get into 27, where we've got a lot of offerings. Um, we learned a lot about tithing here. Um, this is a place that I see a lot of ministers quote Leviticus in their stewardship campaign <laughs> about giving all that we can to the Lord. And I think that's important. Um, I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that. Um, we're not going to be given animals um, like they did. In that time, but, um, giving of ourselves and our best selves and all that we have to glorify God. So what do you think about 27?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it gets really specific in here about, you know, animals and their age and all of this. And I love, this is, um. Yeah, we live in a pretty crazy real estate market right now in a lot of places. And so you read here in chapter 14 of 27, if a person consecrates a house to the Lord, the priest shall assess it. And right. Yeah. Like no one wants me assessing anything, particularly right now. (laughs) Yeah. But, but even there, right? Like there's that idea that you know, you're adding to the assessed value of this home when, when it's consecrated and if you want it redeemed. So there's this idea that everything, right? There's not a private home life where this is my stuff and this is, you know, yeah. my castle and all protected.
0: All and then to there's
1: the holy life. It's not just the animals you take to the temple, right? And then you have your own home stuff at home. This, the priest is involved in the home life. The community of faith is involved in the home life. You can consecrate a house, right? Like, I love doing house blessings. Um, I love, right? And I think it's a great way that, that we can serve our community. Like, when I was at my parish in Houston, there were people who weren't members of the church but knew that this was a thing. And they would call and say, would you do a house blessing? Absolutely. Yep. And I'm also going to assess you on your house and charge you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to start adding that part in. I know, but- Right. I don't want that
0: responsibility. Don't anybody give me that. Um, You know, let me tell you a cool story since we're talking about house blessings. Um, I got a call across the street from Resurrection is an old high school, and it um, is now uh, housing for those that need it. And I got a call from them the other day, and they were like, three people have died in this particular apartment. Can you please come over? And say a blessing for it, and I was like, I mean, I can't do an exorcism or anything, but I, I will absolutely come over and we'll pray. And we did, and it was like this, like something had lifted out of the air. It was just almost amazing to watch. And so we made, I made this relationship with this these folks, and I said every time somebody moves into one of these apartments, if they want me to, I will come over here and bless their home. Isn't that cool?
1: that is awesome and it is interesting i've had that experience too that people ask for house blessing but what they really want is an exorcism Mm -hmm. and so then right and for whatever reason like and i think that gets to people understand what it's getting at in here is there's not just this personal secular home life that's detached from the spiritual realm Right. right it's all connected and we we need to ask god's blessing we need to ask god's presence into these places. If maybe that gets the ghosts of these dead people that died in these apartments gone, right? Like that's a whole nother thing. And yeah, we thought that's, but it's true, right? Like we, we want to have this connection. And even if it is because we feel like we want things to, to improve or we want spirits or whatever to be out of it, it's because we're asking God to come into it.
0: Well, and I think that what you're saying reminds me that really God should be Apart, and I think that's what's happening in Leviticus too. Of everything we do, right? It's not just Sunday morning. It's not like, okay, come get your gas tank filled up on Sunday morning. You know, it's at home, it's at work. It's in the painful moments. It's in the joyful moments. God, We need to invite God into that. And also, dear listeners, you can invite Alan and I to come bless your home anytime. We love doing that. That's Both of us are those kind of blessing kind of people. Um, we like to baptize babies, marry people, house blessings, whatever. So we're for, we're for hire and we actually don't charge. So great for you. It's free. Um, okay, Especially
1: if any of y'all live in Hawaii, I <laughs> would love to do a house blessing in Hawaii, just putting it out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, he'll come. Um, okay, so Leviticus has been a good journey for me. Um, we've had three guests on, you and I have had some good times talking through it. Um, in case y'all don't know, <laughs> the one about bodily fluids, um, my mom called me and she was like, I think for the first time, Alan, I'll talk to you. <laughs> Alan came prepared and um, Alan's the best, y'all, the best there is. Um, so anyway, we did Leviticus and it was great. Yay, we did it. And now we get to go to Numbers, which I'm excited about because I've been doing a Bible study on Numbers and I feel way more prepared and I did for Leviticus. Um, but we're going to have maybe have some time in between to just talk about scripture next week. You know, we'll just do what needs to happen. Um, and then we'll get into numbers.
1: Yeah. So, not to put pressure on him publicly, but I've asked Jimmy Hartley, the Reverend Canon Canon Jimmy Hartley, who uh, works for me at Diocesan House. If you know him, please text him and tell him he needs to come on next week. He apparently told me he's thinking about it. Uh, That's not good enough for me, Jimmy. And so I'm calling you out publicly. You need to come on next Thursday and we're going to talk about the Bible. We're not even going to like make you talk about men sleeping with men or bodily discharge or the things we've already done. Right. We're just going to talk with you about the Bible. I know you don't know the Bible too well, Jimmy, but you can figure it out and come on next week.
0: And clearly I will need to be there to um, mediate these two (laughs) Wonderful priest, uh, Jimmy and Alan. Um, Okay, listeners, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's the birth of the church. It's the birth of who we are as a community. Thank God for that. Celebrate, wear red to church. Um, Think about the gift of the church and what it is. Um, There's a lot of reasons I am glad the church was born. one of them is that I get to do this podcast and have the best buddy in Allen. I mean, what well, wouldn't happen without the church? Think of all the things that happen because of the church. What a gift. So remember, we love you, but most importantly, God does. Have a fabulous week.